Okay, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, Bet Online, our exclusive wagering partner. Bet Online, of course, where you get all your action on NFL football, NBA basketball, about to get started up in the coming weeks here. And Bet Online AG is the place you want to go. More options to wager than anywhere else online. So, online today, take advantage of all the great midseason bonuses, offers, and contests. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Use the code CLNS50 when you go to betonline.ag. Once again, betonline.ag, code CLNS50, get you 50% off your initial deposit. Hey, guys, want to make sure people can hear me here. Um, somebody tell me in the chat if you guys are hearing me okay. I can hear you loud and clear, John. Hey, Sherrod's here too. All right, guys, we're going to take it over here. This isn't going to be one of the longest ones because it is Sunday and – we're 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 fed up, but uh, Sherrod and I are both fed up, um, and it is what it is. And I'm sure you guys are too. So line it up. Um, let's start hearing from you guys, Sherrod. Any opening thoughts here before we open it up for the people? This game sucked ass. Uh, this game sucked in, ass. In every sense of the word. Uh, the effort was just. I mean, I can't even say it was subpar. It was just just absolute horseshit out there. Um, the, and, and we talked about this over in the garden report, you know, the, the play that I think of when I think about this game was that lazy pass that Tatum made that Terry Rozier picked off in the first quarter that to me, that was just symbolic of, of what the entire game was going to be like one team making great effort. The other team doing nothing more than just physically showing up to get their asses kicked. Yeah, I guess that's it. I'm with you. Um, so here we are. This is where we are. Um, let's bring in some people. We've got a few people I have not heard from before, so I'm going to give you guys a shot. Let me tell you guys the rules real quick. Um, uh, sorry, guys. Uh, if I put you up in the room to speak, just keep yourself muted if you don't mind, and I will. Uh, we will call on you, but just stay muted while you're not talking, uh, and then obviously unmute yourself when we call you out. Um, so I'm going to start to rifle through some of this. We've got some new people in here, so we're going to try you guys out. We're going to start out with Austin. Austin, what's up? Uh, hey, can you hear me? Yeah, Austin. What's yep. up, man? How's it going, Austin? Oh, yeah, I'm doing all right. How are you guys? Great. Yeah, I've been watching since the Toronto series, so uh, thank you guys. Every you guys, kind of, it's like a nice outlet after we lose these frustrating games. So thank you for taking. <laughs> You're the welcome. Time. We've heard that um, a lot. That the 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 it's like a group therapy session sometimes to just vent a little bit. So this is a good opportunity. Yeah, <laughs> this is a good opportunity to do it too. So fire away. Yeah, no, I just had a question about Tatum. Um, it's just, it's very interesting because it seems like I remember he, like you know, a few weeks ago he got called out by Kendrick Perkins, and then you know apparently they had um, discussed you know things over the phone, um, and you know then you started seeing his play level pick up a little bit, and then it's kind of been dipping back down. Like missing shots is one thing, but then you see tonight. It's kind of just like there's no effort, but do you think it's just it's just the way his personality is is being nonchalant, and that's just is what it is, and it's just maybe we'll see it grow in him over time, or it's just kind of just like he is the way it is, and that's it. That's part of who he is. I mean, he, he's a very laid back, kind of easy breezy going kind of guy, and and you're never going to completely uh, get that out of his system because again, that that's just that's his makeup. But what what that has nothing to do with lazy ass passes. That has nothing to do with, uh, you know, spending more time lobbying for a call that could have gone either way. 
than getting back on defense so that your man doesn't get a wide open three. And that, that you know, that six-point lead or six-point deficit now is nine, and then it becomes 12. And, and being doing those little things that have nothing to do with your attitude or, your, or how you approach the game and everything to do with your ability to lock in to what you're supposed to be doing in that moment. Those are the issues that I have with Tatum because, you know, we, we can all go back and forth about, you know, uh, how talented he is. But the one thing that we is undeniable is he is exceptionally talented and arguably the best talent on this team. But that doesn't excuse you from being lazy uh, and not locking in the way you, the best player on your team should do. And I think he's, he has too many moments like that where he's just not as locked in as he needs to be. And again, that's not a knock on him uh, other than the fact that it's a flaw that he has to get better at because, again, Tatum is a phenomenal player. And that's part of why he gets criticized so harshly because he really is a great upper echelon, top-tier talent. But he has too many moments where he doesn't have the locked-in focus that you have to have when you are that alpha night in and night out for your team. DJ, go ahead. You're on. Hey, what's going? What's going on, Johnny? How's everything? We're good. Sherrod, by the way, I had an audio issue. If I cut out, just take over, all right? Okay, got you. D- just start calling on people. Sherrod, my man, how's it going? Sherrod, how's everything? What's up, DJ? How you been, man? Uh, could be a have, could have a better, better couple of days, <laughs> but I'm all right, man. What you got for us? Well, honestly, I just, I, I, I really want to know, like, you know. Discussing some of the internal issues, like I, I, I really feel, you know, that there's something going on that we just are not able to see ourselves. Because like there are days where they're playing and and they're and they're they're all in sync with each other. They're great. They're they're communicating. They're having fun. And then there are days where it's just like, okay, like what what happened? Like did somebody, you know, like say something bad? I don't honestly. It's just like there has to be something that's going on. And I and I and I read a po- I heard your podcast. I think it was like a couple of days ago. You know that I think this bench this bench production really has to be a whole lot better too. Because I I feel that it's like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are really just forcing plays. You know, it's like they're driving to the lane, they're taking two steps, and they're not knowing what to do with the ball. Because it's like, who do I pass it to? Grant Williams do a pop up three? Like you know, it's 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 those things. And I'm just like, oh, come on, man. Yeah, I, I think I think there's there's a lot of different factors that are contributing to them being so inconsistent. I think one is the fact that you've got a lots of players in different roles, and they're still trying to learn how to navigate that and be impactful and and not uh, just be a detriment. And, and part of that involves them making mistakes, getting things wrong. And the the, the issues that I have mostly with, with with Tatum of late is that. You know, he had this stretch where he was doing everything you wanted him to do. He was aggressive, getting to the rim, getting to the free throw line, uh, making the guys around him, I thought, better. And then it would just stop. Uh, Like this game today, there was a great example. The very first play, he gets the ball in the paint, gets a bucket. And my first thought was that this is going to open things up for him because now they got to worry about him getting into the paint. It's going to open things up for his teammates. They're going to get better looks. And we never really saw him get back to being that player in this game. And uh, and obviously, you know, th- his inability to do that was one of the factors that led to him getting their asses kicked today. Um, but I think I think the role play that the guys have is, is a factor. I think the fact that 
for whatever reason. And again, I, I have no idea why this is happening, but there seems to be an effort deficit that kicks in every two or three games and it lasts the entire game. And I can't understand why that is because I know Brad has pointed out to them multiple times they have to play with greater effort. And for some reason, there's a disconnect between the message that he's delivering and their ability to embrace the message, execute what he's trying to do, and play better, harder basketball. Uh, And it sucks uh, because you know the talent is, is not as big an issue with this team as the lack of consistent effort. And there's no rhyme or reason why that has been the case for way too many games. We're too damn deep into the season to be talking about effort. Um, it, it, it just shouldn't be that way. Uh, Sherrod, you got me? Yep. Cool. Sorry, just I had an audio issue last time. I didn't want to start talking until we were sure. Yeah, we talked about this a ton on the show. I think the postgame show just um, just ended, so we're going to welcome in Jimmy and Bobby and uh, Joe Sway if, uh, once he refills his coffee. Um, yeah, Brad, Brad Stevens said it after the game, guys. The um, – when there's no uh, when, when they've played subpar, uh, they lose uh, almost every time. And we were talking about it on the show. Uh, they, uh, I mean, they've gone down double digits in 34 of their 61 games. That's that's freaking unacceptable. And and we're just trying to we're just trying to theorize how many games do we think they've lost strictly based off of effort. And I think the answer is a lot, like half of them, just simply going and just playing a bit. This is a straight effort loss today, straight effort. Uh, and they have a lot of them where they just didn't show up. And as, as Sherrod said, I feel like it happens early. Uh, and I don't know what the reason. And again, everyone on our, in our chat kept, they, I mean, public enemy number one, it's Brad. And I do think coaches are too often scapegoated, but – Almost every issue with this team keeps coming back to an inability to get motivated. And yes, it should be on the players to motivate themselves. But ultimately, if they can't, then you need somebody who can. It's not necessarily, again, you can be a good coach, which Brad Stevens is, and you might not be the right coach. And that's what they're going to, that's a question they're going to have to answer for this team is, does this team need something else because of their inability to maintain focus, to execute a game plan, and to motivate themselves? Brad Stevens could have all the answers, but if they're not listening and they're not executing whatever it is he wants them to do, it's pointless. Oh. Uh, and and, and they're, they're stuck in that cycle. Well, when you talk about the top coaches in the NBA, they all have different strengths and, and, and different weaknesses, but the one seem, common thread that they all seem to have is the ability to motivate, the ability to to get their players to believe either they're better than they really are or to play at a level that is consistent with where their talent is. Uh, when you look over at teams like Utah, you look at Doc Rivers in Philly, uh, you, you look, you know, again, Miami Heat, great example of that. Uh, those teams typically play consistent in terms of effort they may not win as much as they would obviously want to but the effort for those teams for the most part isn't questioned and that is the biggest question surrounding the Celtics team will they play with the kind of effort that they need to compete because forget about winning games at this point I just want to see effort that gives them a chance to compete and win games there and and that to me uh, again that's that's not Celtics basketball it's not yeah, I don't even know what it is anymore, um, but it, it's rough. Um, let's, bring, uh, let's bring in Mike, who is a producer here at CLNS Media. 
um, and works on a lot of our Patriots content, including Patriots Beat and the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast. Mike, do you have something to say about the Celtics? What's My going guy. on, John? What's, What's up, Sherrod? Your yeah, guy, Sherrod's so student, Mike. Yeah. Yeah, I had to. Uh, I'm writing my final internship uh, report right now, and I have been procrastinating all day, and so I figured I'd hop on with you guys. Awesome. Um, In other words, expanding the, the procrastination. I got you. Exactly. Yes, yes, yes. So at, through my procrastination, I was watching the game and checking out Twitter, and John, you tweeted that you're not sure you can take this team anymore. <laughs> I did. Uh, what I'm wondering what the tipping point today actually was, and uh, I guess what you guys think the biggest problem out of everything is going on right now. Um, I didn't have a specific single play tipping point. I just at a certain point just lost my appetite altogether. Like it was the you know the the, the Tatum turnover for sure, the smart play at the end of the half, another play where Tatum jogged back on defense after a miss because he was sulking, and just all of it, and then just. Seeing that quarter, the fourth quarter with the starters in there on what should have been their last push and what we all thought was going to inevitably be them um, getting it close to, you know, a five-point game, four-point game and, and, and make it look closer than it was and then have us question whether or not we should really rip them apart or not and then just have it not happen, have the starters coming back in in the fourth and not give a shit. Um, that was stunning for me, just you know, watching that league lead balloon to seventeen nineteen until Brad. R- shortly after I tweeted that, Mike, just so you know, is exa- the exact time that Brad emptied the bench. Um, like they went to timeout, came back, emptied the bench. So Brad, 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 Brad reached the same. Brad reached the point at the same exact time. I did. yeah, he was he was done too. He was like, "F these guys, done," and <laughs> that was it. Um, so I don't know what it was. I just couldn't watch it anymore. I'll let Sherrod answer the rest of the question about what it is with these guys. Well, I don't – I mean, that, that's the million-dollar question. Uh, I, I can't figure out why this team is, is the way it is, other than the fact that they just simply uh, are living a little too high on the hog, so to speak. And that is they've had so much success that, particularly in the playoffs, that there's this almost like false sense of arrival that they can just kind of turn it on come playoff time and all will be good. And even though they have not talked a ton about that, the way they play, it looks as though that's what they're thinking. And and that is a recipe for disaster because this year they're just not that good where they can turn it on and expect to get to the conference finals again. Hey guys, Jimmy, you on there? What the hell just Just literally, I was staring at it and it just crashed and I was the host. I was trying to, I was having issues with the whole, I was, no, I didn't do a thing. Literally looking at it, listening to Sherrod talk. I was going to try to make somebody else a host so I could deal with the issues because the room wouldn't let me bring in guests anymore, and it just crashed. Yeah, I, think, yep. I guess that should that should have been the first sign yeah. of the problem is uh, that whole thing. But yeah, you're right. I was just staring at it, yeah. and then it said room close. I was, I was like, wow, they just booted me out. No, nope, literally just crashed. So uh, <laughs> we're welcoming everybody back, back in. I hope we get most of our people back. Um, they should get notifications, uh, but we're going to uh, jump on again. But that was weird. I'm Sorry, invited. guys. Wow. I'm inviting all my followers back right now. Invite everybody back. Retweet the new link to everybody else apologizing that it closed. Um, so sorry. Yeah, we'll, we'll bring everybody back. But yeah, I was having problems with it from the get-go. And literally while Sherrod was talking, the whole thing just blinked off my screen. Um, all right, we're back. we got a lot of people joining. So I do think most people are making their way back in. Um, let's continue with our conversation. Um, Sherrod, can you hear? Yeah, I can hear. Okay, anybody out there, I, I, um, I, I'll have to write it in the chat because if you can't hear, 
you're experiencing a glitch. I see a couple of people saying they can't hear, but that's not us. Um, so I'll type those instructions in a minute. But uh, Sherrod, continue with what you were saying, because, again, I think we got most of our people back in here. No, um, the, 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 the big thing with them is that they just haven't, for, for whatever reason, figured out how to play and bring consistent effort night in, night out. And it's frustrating. Um, there's no rhyme or reason other than that this team is looking at their previous success and thinking, well, shit, we've been to the conference finals three the last four years. We're good. We'll turn it on when we need to. They're not good enough to do that because the Eastern Conference, particularly at the top, is so much better. Uh, so they need to build towards the playoffs, not build once they get there. And that's the only logical explanation I can come up with why this team seems to play such lethargic basketball so consistently. Uh, and it's a shame because I think at full strength, they're good enough to compete with all the top teams in the East. And, and I didn't say beat. I said compete. There's a difference. With the way they play now, no shot. There's no way they're going to compete with the Milwaukee's, the Philadelphia's, the Brooklyn's of the world if they have multiple games in a playoff series like that with the kind of effort we saw today against Charlotte. Jimmy uh, and Bobby are all here. Josue Pavone as well. Guys, any thoughts here? Again, the first couple of things we've talking about here were just kind of energy and effort and why. I don't know if you have any more to add to it. Before we bring in other people, I got Zane on deck to speak next. He was in the room when we when we crashed the first time. Uh, but guys, go ahead, and then Zane will welcome you in. Jim, Jimmy. Okay, I'm here. Sorry, I was. No, uh, no, there's a go, few go, people go. in the chat saying, saying there's a few people in the chat saying they couldn't hear, so I was just telling them to exit the app and thank you for that. Come thank back you. on. But, um, but anyways, um, what? I think Sherrod touched on a lot of it. I mean, uh, my biggest thing, and it's always been my biggest thing with this team, is is the disappointing uh, aspect of them not to games. It's like it's almost like a team wide. It starts at the top with Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown setting the tone, and it just carries all the way to the bottom. And the the problem with the bottom is that that's actually a talent issue. So I don't completely fault them all for you know not playing well because I think they're just they reach a peak at how far they can play. And we know that they have depth issues on this team, but I expect stars and superstars and leaders to show up every night because that's, it's your responsibility to it's, it's way bigger than just, um, you know, X's and O's it's, it's how you approach the game and it's how you, you know, get your teammates up and and you, you get to everybody in sort of the right mindset going into the game. And so many times now this team just comes out flat where I don't know where the message is being lost from pregame to the game or even if if it's before pregame and and shoot around, but there's just something off with this team in terms of their intensity, their compete level, like Sherrod's talked about a bunch. And it's been the case all season long. And I, I, you can even go back to previous seasons where they just haven't shown up to games, whether it's, you know, the playoff series against the Bucks. I know that they were less talented then, but again, that was a Kyrie Irving led team that was just blown out. And, I don't know if it's just creating bad habits and not being able to break them, um, but we know that they haven't treated the regular season with the same importance as other teams have, like the Hornets. I think the Hornets are a perfect example of a team that plays the game the right way. Um, and again, what I said in the post-game show was they play the game exactly how the Celtics used to play the game. They used to whip the ball around, team mentality, um, up for each other, 
not oftentimes the most talented team on the court, but they play above their talent level. And this team, this Celtics team is the exact opposite. Yeah, Jimmy, I thought that was a good comparison because that, that's what those Celtics teams used to do. They would match any team's energy. And of course, including the Golden State Warriors. And that's why those those battles are always so epic whenever those two teams went at it, because it didn't matter. I mean, Golden State Warriors were trying to make history, and the Celtics were always in their way in the sense of, of trying to uh, just give them an L. You know, there was always a tough out for uh, for a team like the Golden State Warriors. And I saw a little bit of that sort of attitude in, in what we saw from Charlotte. I mean, 39 assists. I mean, those Celtics teams, they didn't, they didn't get it popping like that. I mean, I remember a couple of games, or a lot of games, where they would flirt around 27, 28, 29 assists, and you just knew, okay, they're going to find a way to win this game. But, of course, it was the defense. You know, that was a strong part of who they were, of those teams were. And I just think the defense, if, if they're not playing top-notch defense, which we know they can do, right, Jimmy? We saw that throughout that stretch, throughout that six-game winning streak. They were top five. You know, their defensive numbers were top five in the league throughout that span. It's a short sample size. It was a two-week span in, in, in April, and now here we are, you know, towards the tail end of the month, and we're, and we're seeing a different team, or at least we're seeing a team that, that's reverting back to those old habits that they were doing at the beginning of the season. Yeah, uh, real j- quick, John. There was a commenter, I think it was in the last, you know, rest in peace to the last locker room that we just <laughs> all got booted from. Yeah. There was a commenter who compared Jason Tatum to Tracy McGrady and said, all the talent, but not the heart. Oof. And I was like, damn, like that's, that's an interesting comparison. Yeah. And again, yeah, that just gave me the chills. What's funny is like, that's, <laughs> that's a great comparison. That's the thing is like, you, right now you get Tatum, you know, everyone's going to continue to, I still think Tatum is treated by fans like he's 19 and he's not. Um, but that being said, there's no question who he's ultimately going to be isn't going to define be fully defined for at least you know a couple more years or three more years. But every moment he inches closer to that twenty five year old, twenty six year old, twenty seven year old version of himself, and he's still doing some of these things. Is when you're going to start saying definitively, yeah, he's not that guy. So that's what I mean. Is like you you can excuse it now. You're not going to be able to excuse it for much much longer. Um, right. So he, he's got to find it. That's the thing. He's held to a higher standard, and yes, he's still early in this league, but he's been around long enough right now in year four where he's a veteran. Um, and, um, right. you know, in a couple of years, th- those excuses will not fly anymore. So, again, you'll give and- him the pass for, for, the, for the youth. I, I'm still willing to give him a pass for some of the COVID stuff that we don't know what, what it's doing to him from time to time. He may be entering games where he's just not right and he knows it physically, so he's – you know, taking the easy way out sometimes. That's possible too, but it is, you know, it, it, you're, these comps are going to be apt eventually if he doesn't start to show a little bit. That's where we left it off on post game too. When, uh, when you guys jumped over here, we were talking about the possibility of this even being a rest game for him. And Brad was asked last week, hey, are you going to get a night of Tatum rest here? And Brad's like, yeah, you know, some nights we haven't had the people to do it and we're planning on do it. Some night down the stretch here, we're going to end up doing it. And we've talked about this all year, the burn that's been put on him. And you think of that COVID stuff uh, and how that may be affecting him. If it is, he could probably use a night off in that sense. If you see him not looking right in a certain game, the benching thing we talked about might not even be, oh, we're going to bench you to embarrass you or send a message here. It might be them saying, oh, he doesn't have it this, tonight. You know, Maybe it's just best off to use a game like this to rest him a little bit. 
you know, take some of that load off. I'm not saying all this stuff is exhaustion based with him, but we've been talking about him. How long have we been talking about him for having a night off? It's yeah, been but, a long time. Well, I would have done, guys, I would have done it. Look at it. When they had that stretch, when they went like 0 for 6 in, in back-to-backs with Kemba was missing, those are nights where I would have just punted on the game entirely and, and sat them all, you know? for and, and again, it serves dual purposes. It seems like such a missed opportunity for Brad, both to get your stars rest and also to give a full 25 minutes of Neesmith and this and that and other people and just say, just freaking play, guys. We're not expecting to win. This is a low-pressure game. Consider it like preseason. Go out there and be NBA players and get some valuable minutes against another team's starters. Do your best and give those guys a legit rest. It's, it, now you're late in the season and you're trying desperately to stay out of the seventh seed. You've missed that shot. That luxury is gone. Talking about doing it now, I would actually argue you can't yeah. anymore. You know? No, remember, and, there was another quote earlier in the year where they asked about resting both Brown and Tatum, and Brad was pretty much just like, yeah, we can't do that because of where we are You can't do it anymore. You missed that shot. I don't know why they didn't do it earlier, especially they lost a lot of those games. Let's welcome in some people here. Uh, and again, we got our entire postgame crew here. This is Locker Room 2.0. Our first one crashed. Sorry about that. I'm glad all of you guys, it looks like most of you rejoined, so thank you. Uh, we're going to be hanging for the next few minutes. Uh, um, you're not going to be a super long show today, but um, let's rifle through some of you guys who want to speak. Zane has been waiting since Locker Room 1.0 uh, to speak. Zane, are you still there? Hey, I'm still here, guys. Hey, thanks for coming. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for waiting. And th- yeah, absolutely. Hey, I just wanted to rant about this team's culture for a minute, if it's okay. Yeah, I mean, shit, we've been doing it, so go ahead. Well, I don't know if anybody else noticed this. I started noticing this last year, but this year it got cranked up to another level. But anybody else notice how often this team, especially Brad, uses the word special? I feel like they, they overuse this term constantly. Oh, we're, we're building something special. Oh, what he does is special. Oh, if we're going to be the best versions of ourselves, we're going to be special. You know, I just feel like this team is the ultimate definition of cart before the horse. And I, I don't even think that comes from the players. I think that comes from the coaching staff, the, the, the GM, and, and so on. And if, if we're locked into Brad these next few years and, and Wick's not going to be willing to move on for him, I don't see that, that culture changing. I don't see that passive aggressive, you know, best version of yourself. We're all special. You know, that's great when everything's going well. But I think the reason why this team goes so cold all the time is because when things don't go well, they, they become a hot mess and they melt. Everything's down. unique, too. <laughs> that's another word they throw around. Unique circumstances, a unique Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that's a big part of it. And look at some of the guys they bring in, you know, Sherrod was talking about it on the post game show, like guys with no edge. Who who are the guys with edge? You know, maybe Marcus. I don't even know if Marcus, I don't even know if people think he's a, think he's a player with edge around the league. I would wonder what other players around the league think about that. Um, he is. And I think what he is. Well, well, to go. Yeah, yeah, he, he, is, he is Zane because I, I think that's part of the identity, especially when the, the comeback Celtics, right? We've seen it so many times. He's the guy that's going to make that big play down the stretch. Like, he still does that. I know it's it's easy to overlook because of all the losses that have gathered, you know, that have been bunched together, especially when he's out there or, or if he isn't out there. But uh, he's, still, he's still that guy down the stretch. But you know what? The thing about the whole edge thing is as – They've had multiple guys, more years than not, who had that about them. I mean, we talk about Marcus Smart, and and he's a constant with that. But you also had a guy like Marcus Morris, who played with a Mm. undeniable chip on his shoulder slash edge. We had Terry Rozier, who also played with an edge. And when you look at this team now, you've got Marcus. You're 
you're reaching a little bit when you try to find someone else. To... What's that? John's, John's guy, Jake Rowd. Yeah. <laughs> you Heavy you accent on that last call. You can't, you can't trade. Want to bet? No, no, it's funny. No, but but you you don't have multiple guys that you can throw out there who bring that. So, and, and I think that's part that's part of the problem with this group is that they don't have enough guys that play with an edge. And if you're not just naturally built to compete, because again, I think this this Celtics team from top to bottom, I think there's a lot of talent on this team, but that intangible that, we, that we're talking about, that edge, that toughness, that grit, that grind, I don't see a lot of guys stepping to the front. Don't, don't disagree. I'm going to see if he's here. Michael Petrus. A little edge. No. Just kidding. <laughs> no. Oh, that's my guy. Petrus was a good dude, man. He was like, all, talk about a guy who like brought it in smiles. It's Between him and Kemba, I don't know who, who, who was happier. He used to right. give me shit all the time because I couldn't get him free cable because I worked for Comcast Sportsnet. Petrus did? Yes. <laughs> like, 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 I, I, like, I yeah. actually have control to do that. Yeah. Like, that he is freaking funny. needs free uh, cable. Come on. No, Fournier, Fournier is the tie-breaking Frenchman for the Celtics, right? Because, you know, Moiso was a bust. A Petrus, the Petrus experience was largely a good one. Uh, yeah. we, let's see what we get out of Fournier here, right? Yeah. Well, um, you forgot about Yabu Selly. Oh, Yabu, Yabu, Yabu. Oh, God. Yeah, we forgot about him for a reason. Yeah. In fact, <laughs> mute your odd back for bringing up that name. You should be muted. <laughs> All right. Well, it's, for you, it's, Jimmy. it's, that, it's everybody's uh, favorite time. Uh, one of my twins just walked in the room, so you might be hearing from her. Hi, Rosie. Uh, but more uh, more exciting for people is uh, Dudley is here. Dudley, what up, Dud? What's going on? Are you Dudley? Dudley. First off, are you okay? Are you? No, nah, okay? man. I'm not. I, no. Nah. No. No. I'm pretty far from okay. No. Nah. You, you, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, all right. I know we. I know we hate Philly, but just like so, compare compare the Celtics to, to Philadelphia. It's really simple for a second. Their stars are Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, and everything falls suit after them too. You can consider those two young players. I mean, when was Ben Simmons drafted? Ben Simmons was drafted in 2016, right? Same same draft as, as Jalen Brown, but he played one year after because um, of that injury. Joel Embiid got drafted 2014, I believe. But he had injuries. So they all started relatively around the same time when you compare their young stars and our young stars. And yet the ex- the expectation for Philadelphia with their young stars is, oh, for the last couple of years, not just this year, for the last couple of years was, oh, well, they got to make it to the playoffs. They, they, they should, with all the amount of talent, that they should, you know, make it to Eastern Conference Finals. And every single time they disappoint, Philadelphia and the world kills them. Now, Philadelphia, these people are crazy, so it is what it is with them, but national media and everybody kills them, and rightfully so. With the amount of talent that Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid had, they should they, they, they woefully un- underachieved. And yet, for some weird reason, you know, with the Celtics, our stars, we're like, yeah, but they're young. With Philadelphia stars, well, the expectation is, is yeah. great. Before I don't get stars, the I don't now, get the kid gloves, Dudley. I never have. I've never I've never gotten why the kid gloves are. 
there ain't no more kid gloves at this point. Like, like there's no more kid gloves, especially with the amount of experience. Because it'd be one thing if you're still looking at them like a um, what's that guy? What's that guy that dropped seventy or on us in, in, in Phoenix? I forgot his name. Devin Booker. Sure. That'd be Devin Booker. You, you you know what I'm saying? Like if it was a Devin Booker who was on a on a team that was rebuilding, you kind of give him some grace. But th- these these kids have been on some good teams. They had enough experience. Damn this situation at this point. There should be no reason at this point why they are the way they are, except Danny Bartholomew Aloysius Ainge, who continue to build a team and I'm a harp on this from the first time I came on the locker room who did not know what he wanted to do from jump and so the problem with Jalen Brown the problem with Jason Tatum is now the whole world because of the experience that they had in the playoffs expecting them to be leaders because at this point I mean you should be leaders and yet they can't be leaders because they were never given the experience to run their own team. Let's let's call it what it is. As much as I'm taking the kid gloves off of them, they still are in a situation where this is the first time this is their team. And, yeah, and, and so this Dudley, is the problem where we are right now. Dudley, so, I don't know if that's a problem, though, because ultimately, like, the goal of the general manager is to acquire as much talent as possible, not make a situation – you know, for two guys that you don't know what they're ultimately going to grow up to be to be more comfortable, like you're supposed to go out and get Haywards and 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 uh, you know and trade for Kyrie's and those guys. It didn't work out, but those guys left us. You know, like it wasn't the other way around. You know, yeah. So right now, I would actually ask you the question and anybody else here. Hey, this was this was an extremely lopsided conversation. Extremely lopsided conversation when we were talking about Ky- Kyrie versus the kids. Everybody right. said it was Kyrie's fault, right? And now you've got a situation where we're talking about these kids being leaders and setting an example for the other people on their team, and they're failing to do so. So at a certain point, that whole the Kyrie saying these kids just some of these kids just don't get it might be a little bit more prescient than we thought it. Yeah, I, I, I might agree with you. I might agree with you in in, in that point. I mean, especially because at this point you're looking at you, you're looking at Jalen, you're looking at Jason, you're kind of looking at them, and you're expecting more. You're not getting more. I mean, the last thing I'd probably say is, man, Jimmy, I'm gonna say it again. If you didn't say what you said a couple of locker rooms ago, I might have I might have I might have threw my head in a wall in this season. Especially after this loss, I would have been a lot more upset. But because I'm always struggling with, and I think every Celtics fan is struggling with this season. What do you do with this season? Is this season a season where we should be cashing in the chips and going all in? But there's Brooklyn and there's LA and there's all. But then if you don't do that, where are you? Because you just were in East Conference Finals. I think the only thing that's not allowing me to jump off the ledge here is that the fact that, you know what? Let's just see what we got. We finally have an opportunity where we can actually think about building this thing without trying to find some other rescue plan and and, and see what it is. I, I think personally the way in which it's going, we're looking like we're about to go in that playoff that 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 playing tournament. It, that's gonna be a reality and it's gonna be ri- it, it's gonna be bad if it's a fourth quarter in that play in game and we're down by six points going into the fourth quarter. I'm gonna be upset. I agree with you. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think we've we've said on this show a few times, they got to do everything they can to avoid that playing game. Because I'll tell you what, this team is not built mentally and physically for a one-game playoff. At least that, from what I've seen th- this season, I, I, I wouldn't put my all my eggs in their basket in a one-game playoff, even if they're the seven or eight seed. I, I'd rather them just, you know, if if you're looking, you know, if you're looking to just make the playoffs here and. and you know, I'll take my chance on a seven-game series, but I don't know if, if this team, based on their mental makeup, the way they've answered adversity this year, for a one-game playoff, I, I wouldn't be too too pumped over that. So, yeah, I mean, I'm looking to see – I'm looking for a little signs to see what this team's made of, you know, going down the stretch here. And like like you said, Dudley, and like I said, you know, the tax tryout. Let's see what they've got, if they're even worth bringing this, bringing this thing back next year. Let's bring in uh, Yo One No Two. Yo One. Yo One. Hey, what's going on, man? How's it going? I'm good for the time, bro. Just out here chilling, watch the game. Thoroughly disappointed, but um, I was thinking, like, what if the whole inconsistency is coming from the fact that this whole COVID year has been like, like, really messed up. With all the like COVID checks and the lifestyles of it and players coming in and out, et cetera. And then also the like unmotivating factor of the whole Black Lives Matter movement going on and these young guys being involved as well. Um, and then having to get on the court and then seeing other young black men and that whole idea of competing against one another in the whole grand scheme of the situation. You know how Jalen Brown is a real big like philanthropists and involved in the community and stuff like that. So I feel like maybe that whole situation is like creating the environment or the atmosphere with these guys where it's hard to bring up the competitive kind of nature that they have in them. You know what I mean? Like who wants to be champ in COVID years kind of way I'm feeling maybe why they're so inconsistent and the lack of fans and all that. I mean, it's hard to, kind of sit and watch the games because it sucks a lot because these guys are playing really horribly sometimes but I don't know man I feel like the whole year has been like trash you know so I don't know that's kind of my point of view I still love these guys you know I hope that they're gonna make some sick plays down the line and whoop ass when the playoffs come but I'm not 100% believing that we'll go deep and that's just how I feel I guess yeah, man. Yo, respect. Yo, hold it down, guys. Y'all some real OGs, man. I respect what y'all are doing. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks a lot. Man. No, th- th- yeah. That's what's up. Here's here's the thing. Here's the thing. I I think that when you talk about some of the issues that are really on the, on the forefront of NBA players' minds, the Black Lives Matter movement, social justice issues, uh, you know, the ramifications from George Floyd. Uh, you know, trial verdict with the uh, ex-officer and things of that nature. There's no question that these players, uh, it's something they think about. But the one thing every player I've spoken with about this particular subject matter has repeatedly said was when the ball is thrown up and you're in between those lines, it's all about basketball. It is strictly about what are you getting done on the court. Now, can some of those off-the-court issues play into your minds and could potentially impact your play? Absolutely. But players will absolutely push back and then some to use the issues of society that we're grappling with as a reason why they're not playing well. Because here's the thing. There are 30 NBA teams. 
And there are players on every single one of those teams, core players on every single one of those teams who are weighing this, uh, some of the issues that, that we're talking about from a societal standpoint, and they're thinking about it. But is that going to prevent Chris Paul from helping the Phoenix Suns win you know, eight, nine more games than they did a year ago? Is that going to stop, you know, a guy like Devin Booker from dropping 25, 30 points? Is that going to keep Joel Embiid from being the most dominant big man in the game? No, it's not. And because of what players understand more than anything else, when you step between those lines, it's about playing the game. And you're either going to get it done or you're not. And right now, if we're being honest and real, the Celtics more times than not, they're not getting it done. Yeah, I think the Celtics have burned a little bit more of the brunt than other teams have this year in terms of the COVID stuff. Yes, but it's not a massive gap. And I think the only team that can legitimately use that excuse uh, on a wide scale this season is the Raptors. Because pretty much you're right, Shrod. Everybody's had a level playing field when it comes to societal issues, when it's come to the COVID, the restrictions, and everything else that's gone on. Raptors got it a little more with the different cities. They can't even play in their damn country. Yeah. Yeah. So they. about their arena? They can't even be in a damn country. So that's that's the team that looks at themselves this year and says, screw this year. I mean, this is all just nonsense. But the Celtics, it's gone deeper than that. For- yeah. I mean, look, and, and beyond all of those factors, which are real for everybody, any team at any given time could be dealing with that. You could be dealing with, you know, you have somebody who on the somebody on the team who has a, a family member who passed away or who's ill or other personal matters, stuff at home. I mean, that stuff's in and out, but that's every that could be any team at any time or honestly any person in any profession. And you know, you're asked to go to work every single day and do your job and put that stuff aside and do the best that you can and that's what it is. I, I and I think that I mean for athletes sure but i mean every human is dealing with something somewhere everyone's you, know, you think anybody wants to do anything right now i mean these are weird times for a lot of people um so you know i i, I don't think that that's you know that's that and the covid thing is like injuries every team's got them celtics have had it worse but ultimately I mean, this was a, we saw them play today with close to a full roster against charlotte without its two best players and they got run off the freaking court so what excuses are you going to make for a game like this you know, I, I I just don't think you can. Yeah, I think you guys nailed it. I won't I won't follow up because I would just be repeating you guys, and I know some other guys probably want to get some questions. All right, let's bring in Jason. Jason, are you there? I am. Yeah, thanks, John. I just uh, you know one thing I've noticed with this team is the fun level is just gone. And I was watching the that awesome doc on. Uh, ESPN was the Lakers Celtics three parter and just talking about the eighty six team and the the teams in the sixties and then the two thousand eight team, everyone's like it was the most fun we've ever had. And this team just looks like they're they're cramming for an exam out there. Like it just looks painful and there's no joy. Like I I don't know. It I there's something there where they Brad seems kind of grouchy now and I just feel like the overall level of passion and joy in the game has just gone to zero. And they're trying to grind through this. And I just don't think they can do it mentally. I think it's too exhausting. So they need to find the joy. And that's, I don't know how they do it. So I was curious if you guys have any thoughts on how they can get the joy back up. Uncomfortable. Com- yeah. No, I don't know. Josue, any thoughts? Winning. <laughs> Winning. <laughs> that leads to joy. That's right. That leads to joy. That leads to joy. They got to like each other and winning. I agree. 
guys, what do you think? Joe Sway has had a few of those, you know. I think. Well, well yeah, go ahead. Well, it goes. Back. How do you get the fun back? I mean, it, it, it sounds simple, but it is winning is a huge part. Of it, but it, it's almost like what comes first, the chicken or chicken or the egg? Chicken. Winning make you happy, or does being happy lead to wins? I think it's probably a little bit of both. But it just feels like this. All this entire season, something's been off with this team. And that's why I asked Perkins the question I did last locker room. If, if anybody was on here, I just said, you know, how do you, how can you tell when a team is together? Cause Perk was on some, you know, the Abutu teams and the teams that really had each other's backs and, you know, they did win a championship together and they were pretty, pretty damn close to winning a second one. And a lot of that had to do with the way that, the way that they, functioned off the court i mean they kicked things off on that trip to rome i think sure did you go to rome too i wasn't here for rome oh you weren't there yeah oh, that was before after. okay yeah i came the year after wait did was there prague what was you had something right yeah did i was out one? there i was out there for like italy and um yeah but that was after they, yeah. they tried to redo after, it yeah. Yeah. yeah they tried to redo it because they, they said like how big that that trip was for them and all just like you know sort of getting together and becoming a team and I just don't – I don't know. I feel like a broke record. I've said it a few times. I just don't really see that with this team. But, you know, regardless of whether I think they're they're too down after losses, they they, they seem to hang on, on the negative things a lot. I think they're way too involved in what's being said about them on the outside instead of what's being said to each other on the inside. Well, and I think a lot of that plays into their attitudes and their level of fun out there because you're right. I don't see this team having any fun. Even when they – even well, when they're playing well, like – like I said before, like Tatum will go up for for a drive and finish and 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 be pissed that he didn't get called for a foul instead of like pumping up the team. Let me ask you guys a question. I'll follow on what Jimmy said in terms of the fun and even this comment here. Like Sherrod, Josue, you know, Jimmy and you know, Bobby to some degree. I mean, we were we were there in person a lot during the Kyrie year, okay? Down at the garden every single game, um, you know, on the road with that team. Followed them. Extremely. I was there, I was in Spain that year, most of that year. One waking up every morning. One, I know. What the hell happened? Like? Yeah. So, but just just to point it out, because you guys will all agree with this, that was the strangest locker room vibe I've ever gotten off of any team I've ever covered, and not 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 tooting my horn. I, that's that's not just basketball. That's you know, every team, every sport, 20 years, I've never gotten a, a lot. Actually, it was 2001 miserable. Red Sox. 2001 Red Sox is the worst I've ever seen. Worst by far. But that's different. That team was massively dysfunctional. Freaking hated each other. The 2001 Red Sox are the worst team I've ever covered by a zillion miles. But this Celtics team that was so weird, after a win, heads down, Everybody in their own phones, nobody talking to one another, nothing. No no pats on the back on the way out after a game. No, hey, I'll see you later. Everybody just sat at their locker, packed up their shit, walked out the door one at a time. No chumminess, no camaraderie, nothing. No energy, no vibe, no whooping it up. Like, woo, guys, what a win. Nothing. Outside the locker room, you couldn't hear anything. It was nothing. Um so I wonder how much of that's carried over into like, you know, some of these people were indoctrinated, you know, baptized in that culture. Uh, and, and, and nothing was fun about that season. And for like Tatum and Brown, that's early stages of development. I don't know if that it carried over at all. But I mean, you guys, I mean, you guys were there. You can attest to it. Post-traumatic it stress, John, maybe, yeah. maybe yeah. a little of that going on. 
Yeah. I don't know. I, yeah. Oh, no, go ahead, Joe. No, I was just going to say that it, it was uh, it was a clearly divided locker room. Uh, and we all knew what the sides were. I mean, you had the young guys and then you had Kyrie. Um, it was it was pretty clear. It's not clear where the dividing lines are with this group. Um, is it, you know, vets like Marcus Smart and, uh, and, and Tatum on one side? Or are they on the opposite side? Where does Brad Stevens fit into it? There's a lot of uh, just a lack of clarity as to what's not working specifically for this group, other than the fact that we all can see something ain't working. Uh, it's definitely a team that's not playing anywhere close to its potential, uh, which is unusual for Brad Stevens' coach team. Uh, but it's, it's, it's hard to get a feel for that because, again, the, the other dynamic for, for us who follow the team is we don't have the same level of interaction and engagement with guys that we're used to. Uh, so we, you know, we can't see the little subtle things inside the locker room that as John was talking about with that, you know, that last team with Kyrie that we saw on a regular basis. Uh, you're not seeing that now because, because of, of COVID and social distancing and things like that. So it's a much harder challenge to get a read on what's wrong with this team. Other than the fact that everyone who has seen them play knows this shit's not right. Yeah, that's a good point, Sherrod. You know, it, it kind of it, ma- it makes me think about what happened in the bubble. You know, the report of Gary Washburn saying something he's never seen before with all the yelling and screaming. And, you know, you don't know exactly the context of that disagreement, that argument. Was it a separate issue? You know, I mean, there's a lot going into this season that we're hoping that, that this team could iron out and learn from that experience. And, and we still don't exactly know if they have learned much from that or if that's revamp their their attitude or the or the the vibe in the locker room because we're not able to see the positives out of that camaraderie that we used to see throughout that at least a little bit throughout that six game road trip you know it, it's just not whether win or lose i i still don't see that closeness or that tightness but we're not quite sure exactly if that locker room is divided like like that that locker room was back in you know 2019 well i always also go back to like okay Horford left, Kyrie left, Hayward left. Like, the locker room couldn't have been that great for these guys to just – I know it was like money was a huge reason, but I never even saw those guys, any of those veterans, really be locker room figures too when I was in there. And, again, we get very limited access to the locker room, and who knows if we'll ever even get access again. But from the times that I was in there, I never saw the interaction between, like, the vets and the younger guys at all. I mean, again, it was – it was like John said, heads down. And I mean, yeah, like that's how some of these guys were sort of introduced to the NBA locker room. But you can't tell me that, that you know, I mean, Tatum at Duke or, or you know, Jalen at Cal. I can't tell me that those guys didn't have fun locker rooms and AAU and, you know, Colorado. I'm sure some of their best friends are, are former teammates somewhere along the way. So they know what a good locker room feels like. And I've been in just from covering the Celtics for the last however many years. And Sherrod, you can, and in Joe's way too, we've been in the visitor locker room and there's some locker rooms where you can just tell it like, well, these guys really like each other. Like they're having a great time. You know, obviously it's different after a win than a loss, but you can just tell like difference in, in like, um, like team camaraderie on some teams. All right, let's switch gears for now. Um, I want to move on to, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so fucking annoying. Like, he is, I know he's fucking <laughs> 
you know, and I'm like, hold on, Nick. Okay, Nick, let, let Nick explain. Let so Nick explain. <laughs> I know he fucking sees me. I know he sees me texting. He's like the bang. He's like the corner of my side. Man. I was like, yo, but I had a comment on it. I just way if I held it for another five seconds, Nick would have actually his head. Would I was gonna end the show. His head would have actually exploded. I was gonna end the show and I was gonna kick John out of the room. Oh my god! But listen, okay. I let's mean, I was... ver- let's. It's time now. Let's bring in verified Nick Gelso for. for I don't for even know why I'm verified. verified. All I said was make sure Jimmy Toscano does not get verified. Yeah. Right for uh, another listen, episode of Gelso's grievances. Go ahead, <laughs> Gelso. So listen, I'm not going to have any grievances, but I'm listening to you guys, and it's so ironic because um, I was All right, there thanks, too. Nick. All right, bye. Good take. And, uh, I saw. I mean, I saw what you guys are talking about. Obviously, wins looked like losses until Kyrie got injured. Sherrod and Josue, you remember the confetti game in Philadelphia? That was awesome. That game was like that was like uh, uh, they won the championship. They were so bonded with Kyrie out. But recently, uh, Ainge was on Toucher and Rich and talking about very measured in the way as usual, talking about uh, how the team now communicates with one another, you know, and they don't really talk. They text, you know, a guy's on the trainer's table and, you know, and he's in his phone looking at his tweets. So, and that was Ainge that, you know, we all witnessed it, but it was Ainge that publicly said that after that season with Kyrie. I don't even know what year it is now, Um, but they're still doing it. Obviously, it was just like three weeks ago. He was on Toucher and Rich and he said that, and you could see it. They have that mopey dope. Like, they could win by 50, and they don't look excited, kind of, you know, terrible. I'm actually glad this year that if there's going to be any year, you don't get in the locker room. It's this year because I don't even want to know what the hell's going on in there. But I I doubt – I don't know if we'll ever get in there again. But Ainge said it himself. It's the same thing. So I ask you guys, you know, was it Kyrie? I don't know. They spent more time, Sherrod and uh, Jimmy. I know I was always standing next to you, Jimmy. And they'd be in the side room, Ainge and Brad and the key players off on the side of, in the side room of the locker room more than they were out where the media was. And it's just it kind of from television, at least, or today the radio kind of feels the same way. They just don't seem like they're bonded, like they have chemistry or like they enjoy each other. Did I get thrown out already? Not yet. <laughs> sure, I react. Someone. Well, I, I think the phone thing's a big problem, and that's not exclusive big. to them, but no. it seems to be affecting them in a uniquely adverse way. Mm-hmm. Guys are just diving into what's being said about them on a regular basis and you know, not having those face-to-faces. And we, we've heard the talk about the locker room being physically divided because of COVID stuff. They're just... There doesn't seem to be a great amount of connection going on on the inside from everything we're hearing there. But, uh, you know, I I think when a team has had the amount of noise around them as they have this year, a lot of teams, we know that whether it's Charlotte or Orlando or some of these markets, the noise around those teams doesn't exist in the way it does around Boston. You can't use that, Bobby. That's part of the game, man. I know, but this year I think it's worse in particular. And I think that leads into the Dude, these guys don't listen to Felger and Maz. They don't even have radios. They don't even have to be Felger and Maz. If guys are just sending them any headline about them, then... 
Eh, I mean, I'm not going to dispute you. I'm sure they see it, but I, I, I think it's overblown. Or they're pussies. Because you don't think Dan Shaughnessy was picking the picking the shit out of all those guys back in the day? Even not in the recent. I mean, yeah, hell, he beat up on them for picking on us. Sure, I think I'm in like, those years, though, it was easier to tune stuff out. It and was. I, you know, no question there was. No and question. again, I'm not using this as an excuse. I'm just trying to explain where's the mopiness come from? Where's the divide? The, I think it's generational. I see some of my employees, John Zanis, look mopey all the time. No, I'm just kidding. Like some people in your generation are just mopey, but like Tatum is so mopey. Like, well, I'm just saying, like, you know, and even even in my own experience, the way to handle this last year was not to be sinking into your phone, especially with everything going on. And if that's what these guys are doing, that's certainly not helping their disposition. But it's not a, a good excuse, I don't think. I mean, they're professional. No, it, may, it might not be, but I'm just it's just an explanation that I have. Yeah, no, it's I so agree. much easier. It's so much easier for players to get in their feelings now than it used to be. Uh, because of the advent of technology, because of, you know, the, the fact that, you know, there's there's so much being said about them, good or bad, uh, that players are much more emotionally engaged and attached to what's being said, written and, and talked about uh, as it relates to them. And it's it's not it's not a good thing uh, because what. Right now, because of just the way things are as far as connecting with, with media and things like that, there's no engagement other than what you see on your smartphone or what you see on TV. And so you can't even have a real conversation about stuff. Uh, I mean, think about it. When you get on the Zoom link, you've got five minutes with about 25, 30 other reporters. And you we've done enough of those these media scrums to know that players are going to be asked questions that will get responses longer than five minutes. Um, it just, it just they filibuster. They filibuster, Sherrod. Right. But the, the bottom line is <laughs> there, there's a relationship that you're able to develop with folks who are in your inner circle that there's no, there's no alternative to that other than what you see on your phone. And, and we all know that, you know, players are no different than, than most of, of society. And, and that is, they don't read beyond the headline. Um, and that becomes the narrative that they stick with. And, and the bottom line is, is this. And, and Bobby, I, th- I think you, you, you put it well. They are much more engaged with technology and their phones. And I, I don't think that's a good thing. I think what what, is, the, what the day, do the older players do? What does LeBron do? What does Chris Paul do? What is, what uh, do LeBron do? reads they, the Godfather. They shut off their phone, especially come playoff time. Especially come playoff time. Right. Yeah, I'm going to go with that, guys. I don't want to blow this up, but I will say that there's a there's some maturity issues with this team for sure. And you see when adversity hit in the bubble, the same thing happened. And, you know, I, I do have one question off topic for Sherrod. Do you think there'll ever be scrums again or will ever be back in the locker room again? Yeah, I think it'll it'll, it'll be different, but I think there will be some like a new normal version of that at some point. I I no idea how quickly that'll be. Certainly not for the playoffs this year, but I would not be shocked if we've got something comparable to that at the start of next season or at some point next season. All right, let's work. Let's work in a couple uh, more uh, commenters before we wrap it up on this Sunday. Amit, I'm giving you a shot here. I couldn't tell. Did you want to jump in and talk? Our producer here, Amit, who's behind the scenes working on the post game show, helps us with the locker room stuff. Jack of all trades, social media guru. I feel like you wanted to say something. Do you want to say something? No, I forgot my question. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, 
<laughs> Damn, after all that. I was I'm producer of the year. That's he's not the best color man in the league for nothing, folks. Um, all right, let's bring in. Uh, uh, is it Bus Bus? Very good. Boost 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 Boost. Yeah, bus Bus. I'm here. I'm here. Let's oh, go, Bus Bus. Guys, he's a huge. I'm he's there. a huge Buster <laughs> Rhymes fan. All right, go ahead. Um, yeah, yeah. I think I think Brad is at the level where he could actually coach. Like a Jalen Brown and a Jason Taylor. I know he was there at the beginning. He developed them, but is he like? I don't know. I don't. I don't think he has that in him to like when they reach the the star status that they at right now. That he has that inability to tap into like, like yo, you're doing this wrong. You're do, like you gotta you gotta hit this guy on this play. I don't. I don't think he's doing that. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Like, is it, watching this team this year is like super frustrating because it's like. I go to the three Eastern Conference Finals, and this year I like fighting for a playing turn. Like that's just crazy to me. Like that's super weird. And I I know the injuries and everything, but come on, like uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. If, I don't know. If Brad is suited for these two players anymore. I'm not gonna lie. I don't know. You might be all of us now, Bus Bus. I think this is a question <laughs> we were we've been asking. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. What we said, the the way these guys were were let's say groomed, so to speak, right? I mean, yeah, they made those trips to the Eastern Conference Finals, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, but they were in completely different roles compared to where they are now. So it's it's difficult to. I mean, I, I'm not going to say Brad Stevens can't do it, but again, I mean, we talked about it with Perk on Friday night and a little bit after the game today, where it's like. How how big realistically is this window for Brad Stevens? Yeah, sure. I don't think he's his job's in trouble regardless of what happens this upcoming postseason. But next year, you know, after I don't know if, if it's another disappointing year or or somewhere that it ends in the Eastern Conference Finals again. I mean, what, what's going to stop this core from saying, you know what, guys, maybe this isn't the the voice we need to. Maybe we we've heard everything we need to hear from this guy. You know, we we we, we tuned him out, and maybe we need a new voice in this locker room. I, I think that's a realistic possibility at some point next year, you know? Well, and I, I was hard. I was the Ainge guy at the beginning of the year. I was saying Brad doesn't have the pieces. Ainge butchered this roster in a drastic way, but Ainge remedied some of that. He went out and made that Fournier move, which I think was a good one. He had and the cornet move. move. The cornet move. Yep. I think that was all good stuff. You know, it, it's, it's stunk losing Tice, but, I think as a whole, the roster got better through all those moves. And now has Brad made that same kind of stride? And again, I don't want to toss out everything that they've done here in April because of one bad weekend. I certainly think that could be the result of this. They've made strides this month, and they've been pretty great since the deadline, You know, especially if you think of Rob stepping in that starting lineup. It was just devastating to revert to square one, as they seem to this weekend. And you know, if you have Tatum available, if you have Brown available, I know Kemba was missing on Friday and Brown as well. But today, they were in a position where there was no excuse to not compete. I know it's just one day they've had issues in these Sunday afternoon games, but they can't keep reverting. And that's a big reason they've been floating around 500 this whole year because with every step forward they take, they take a step back. And at some point, I do think you have to look at Brad in that sense. But this is where we... um. I think left off before you jumped off, John. The fact that they're never—they're not going to fire him just because of the contract. They're and other not reasons as well. So they're what not. do you do? Do you, do, you, do you add Perk to the staff? Do you add other guys to the staff? Do you completely overhaul? Because we know they have dozens and dozens of coaches. I mean, they're 
their coaching staff is absurd when you think about it. I like what um I like what Jimmy su- uh, suggested, or I, I don't know if it was Jimmy or we we talked about it. I like the idea of like bringing in people just specifically to like work on people. Like I would, I said, I don't know whether you do it. I'd love to see KG come in here and play a role from time to time. You know, just you know, almost like a spiritual spiritual mentor you know like having these guys come in and work with these guys and talk to them i think it'd be great you're right i'll take credit for that and i got made fun of they do have a lot of they do have a lot of uh no actually I that's the only solution i mean they they're not gonna fire brad so we can almost put they're not gonna fire brad they just extended him guys jimmy nick take it to another room Um, hey hold on (laughs) <laughs> there, 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 are, there are teams that do this. I mean, this is the Celtics organization like prides themselves on all these former players and being a great organization in a community. These players, I mean, when you're at the games, you see players from the 70s and 80s and, you know, 90s to an extent all the time bopping in and out and stuff. So why would, why has that kind of stopped? You know, I, I feel like, I mean, there's got to be. That's an easy Give me because they're dead. <laughs> No, I mean, I'm I looked at it the other players. day. I'm not talking about those players. No one's going to listen to the, a player from the 70s. I'm talking about players that played over the last 10, 15 years in the Celtics organization. Like, and just players around the NBA, like they should be able to come in and sort of be around the team to an extent and help help out in that way. I yeah. think that's cool, man. This is, this is sad and desperate, though, that this is what it takes to motivate these guys to play basketball. It is, but, but it also might be a sign of the times because players, this, players in this time might yeah. – they might look to somebody that they can relate to a little bit more. You know, like, I'm going to say one more thing and take myself off stage. I think that John's going to get so annoyed by this. The culture is gone. You know, God. The culture, you know, Jimmy, you want to say, oh, my God. You said the same thing when I said passion earlier in the season. The culture is gone. So they don't. The Celtics care. culture? Yes, they don't care. You want to fire range. He's all we got left, uh, Bobby. I mean, I thought they, you said Doc. Don't care. I thought you said Doc. My bad. Oh, I would bring Doc back in a heartbeat and get rid of Brad one minute right now. I'd get rid of Brad. But well, we got to think. Well, let's think about this seriously because you know what, what's Tatum twenty three, Brown Brown's twenty four. I know they saw oh eight, but for their whole lives, what have the Celtics been? Terrible, you know, like. They they didn't live the eighties. They didn't. Yeah, they, but they, they don't no, even know what the Celtics are. There is no such thing as culture. There's no oh, such thing as what it means to. Listen, there's no such thing as what it means to be a Celtic. Oh my god! Into a twi- you guys, it doesn't matter. These guys don't know anybody who's ten it years old. It does to the remember, Lakers, John. Remember Matt? It does to the Lakers, John. Figuring out who he is. <laughs> It does to the Lakers. But it does not mean – no, it doesn't. It does to the marketing department. It doesn't mean anything to the players what color uniform you're wearing or that who wore it before, which which boomers wore it before. When did that stop, John? With Paul? Because it meant something to him. Uh, you know, it means something after you LeBron. do it, and then you go LeBron up. And James. Yeah, LeBron ruined the, ruined the NBA. I... It's the LeBron era. I'm not saying he ruined the NBA, but it's the yeah, LeBron Paul era. It's more about the person, it's less about the team. Yeah, Paul Pierce cared about it after the fact when he could put himself up with oh, those guys and oh. say, now I'm a piece of that. I don't think that motivated Absolutely. him to be better. You don't think, think that when he garbage. got shot or I, stabbed how many times, John? I think, Kurt, I, I think I'm going to take the Kurt Schilling quote from when he was playing with the Red Sox. They were talking about the Yankees, and he's talking about Mystique and Aura are strippers' names, okay? They don't factor at <laughs> all 
they don't factor at all into how a team plays yeah, well, or, how, no, or screw, whether screw you that. feel yeah, the team. Screw that, because it mattered, it mattered way more in baseball. But, yeah, that, I, that was a stupid thing for, for Kurt to say, though. I, I'm no, simply Kurt. saying is you're not 86 play- year curse matter. You're yeah, not go playing ahead, go ghosts. Ahead. Like you're not coming in and thinking like, "Ooh, Bill Russell wore this jersey." When you're friggin', you know, 19 years old, that's I know. You, like you might say the right things to the media in front of people, mm. like, "Oh, to be part of this franchise." That's not what motivates them to be good. No, right? why, why would it not today? It's a fair point. Fair point. I, I, they don't I just feel think, a responsibility think... to the to the Shame tradition of the franchise because exactly. you know why. It's because the era, man, today. because of the, this era that they, they grew up in. They, they see LeBron switching teams, and it's yes. not a big deal to them because they're like, look, he's still getting championships. He's still in the conversation with Michael Jordan. So it's less right. about it's yes. less about a franchise's legacy. It's more about how many Absolutely. rings does that dude have? They envy team. his lifestyle choice. It doesn't matter being what team. Able to go to Miami to, to play and like how freaking cool. He John, went that's Miami called culture. Exactly. Right? That's league. It's cool. Culture. Whereas my, my generation, I feel like it was like, ah, oh, well, it's pretty. It's pretty cool what 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 Kobe did. You know, staying doing it all for one team, or, or, or what Paul Pierce did. You know, after ten plus years, never asking for a trade. And, and obviously getting the pieces he needed to, to become a champion and taking down those guys, Kobe Bryant, taking down LeBron James. You know, I think that's cooler. But yep. it's from the younger generation are like, well, what's the difference? I'm like, it's healthier for the game. I, I, saw, I saw players like Charles Barkley never win a championship, but go down as one of the greatest power forwards of all time because he, he played his ass off, you know, like – I don't know. It just maybe that's maybe that's why. Maybe I agree with you. We saw different players that stayed loyal, and and, and that matters. It meant something. Yeah, Josue, it might have meant something to you, or theoretically, I don't know if it's meant anything to players for a while. But that's that's my opinion. No, I um, I agree with you, yeah. John. But I'm saying like it used for a while. To, used, 2011 yeah. is when it changed, guys. Seriously, I think way before then. But no. Let's bring in Soapy. He's been waiting. What's up, Soapy? Hi, Soapy. Yo, what's up, fellas? You guys can hear me all right? Yeah. Hey, what's up, Soapy? Yo, what's going on? So um, I just wanted to lighten the mood in here a little bit. There's there's one thing and there's one person we haven't brought up today. I don't think. Great. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I know it's taboo. I know it's taboo. I but tried I to the whole Cornette was, was mentioned. Yeah, so I just want your guys' thoughts on the play where um, – I think it was first or second quarter, but either way, where it looked like he rolled his ankle and then he just ran off the court. And I was like, here comes a Shackton moment. Like this guy's not going to get back in the play. And all of a sudden he's just off the screen for like 10 seconds and it's five on four. And I'm like, yeah, this this sounds about right. A Sunday game Celtics look like shit. And uh, Grant Williams is just doing Grant Williams stuff. No, no hate. But I I thought that needed to be brought up. Well, uh, we will say, and again, Sophie, I think you were in there on the post-game show too. We did give Grant some props today. And I honestly think, given the fact that this was Bobby, you know, talking about how, you know, Brad didn't kind of break from the traditional lineup with Tristan Thompson out there um, soon enough, given what Charlotte was throwing at them. This might have been a game where you could have maybe used good Grant, especially since he was playing all right. But um also, Grant is a below league average player, and really, we shouldn't be spending this much time talking but, about him. Yeah, so, I, there it is. <laughs> so, I, so uh, that's. I just want to preface that before we go twenty minutes on Grant Williams here, we we talk about Grant Williams way too much, both in the chat and in terms of this show on our post game <laughs> show on our fr- on, that, our, on our freaking text if thread. That dude watches CLN. We we have to cure our. Do you guys think that um? 
it's surprising. A little changing subject here. You guys think it's surprising that Jabari can still dunk and actually looks like he does it pretty easily considering the rest of his athleticism doesn't he i mean he looks as athletic as grant otherwise when he's not oh, it's bad yeah um it, it's worrisome that the celtics look at jabari as a piece of the future right now like they look at their bench and they're like all right one of the guys who has the most long-term potential here is jabari parker that was telling to me when they signed them because i i thought when they signed him it was just kind of like a depth move they were missing some guys at the time he'd fill in here or there until some of the other guys get back but no they honestly look at him and say all right we may be able to turn him into one of our more effective bench pieces and he's been here what three four games at this point and he's already risen to the top of that uh group of people and you look at him like i know you mentioned the movement soapy it's not all that spectacular. He's not doing much amazing things. He can't hit three still, and he can't defend. But still, given what they have on the bench here, he's one of the best. And that's worrisome because it just shows how little flexibility, little potential, and uh, you know, little real amount of prospects they have on this bench. Like Jabari Parker is now part of their future plans on the bench. Well, well Grant feels – I mean, Sherrod feels better about this, right, than Bobby? Um, I – I'm loving it. I mean, I'm loving it because, again, when you're talking about guys who have a very specific role for your team you and they're coming off the bench, you want them to have a skill that is transferable, you know, from one season to the next. I mean, Lou Williams is, is not the greatest defender, but he gets buckets. You know, a, a guy in Philadelphia who's a young guy now, Matisse Thibel, he's going to be in the league for a really long time because he can defend at an elite level. Jabari Barker, Jabari Parker gets buckets. Uh, that that is undeniable, and he to to the caller's point, um, he's not the most athletic guy in the world. Yeah, uh, but no question about that. But he's still. He, but here's the thing: he's been like that for his entire career, and yet he's still someone who finds a way to create enough space to get shots off and knock them down. That's um, right. If, I, if if you felt good about Romeo Grant. Uh, those kind, if you like, thought those guys had long term potential. Wouldn't you want to see the minutes go to them? And I would, I would want to see the minutes go to them if they started showing the growth that that's they could the point, be exceptional yeah. in one of those areas. Because right now, the Celtics have one of the worst scoring benches in the NBA, and all those guys that you just mentioned, they've had plenty of opportunities to make their mark as an offensive player. In fact, they've had more than enough opportunities because when they're playing with a Tatum or Brown. That's going to create more space for them to get off shots than they would otherwise. Uh, and yet Jabari comes in here, you know, he's clearly showing the ability to score, uh, clearly shows an inability to defend, which is fine because, again, there's it's not like that's something you didn't know. Uh, this isn't a used car that you bought and all of a sudden you think it runs great and then realize that you got you got to change the engine. No, Jabari is exactly what you bought. He's played exactly how you thought he would play. And if you're the Celtics, you're going to need someone on your second unit, whether it's this year or next year, who can score. And Jabari feels that he checks that box off for you. Right. I, I think that whatever you get out of Jabari this year is gravy, and it is a Band-Aid on a, on, a, on a bench unit that definitely needs something. And he brings you that something, which is secondary scoring. I think Jabari in year two, after a legitimate NBA offseason, which is probably – given how the Celtics are playing right now, going to be a very long offseason uh, when they get bounced in the freaking play-in game. But um, with a full offseason and a chance to get in, in shape, 
um, you, and and also kind of a reimagining of who he is in the NBA, which is more of a four and a small ball five. He'll be athletic enough, I believe. I, I really do. I think he was always on. He was always somewhat unathletic for a wing, even coming out of college. Um, I think he's going to be, and he's again twenty six years old. I think he absolutely can be something for this team. I just don't think this year Jabari's winning you any games. I think he's given you some decent minutes um, if you need them. Real quick, uh, we're going to wrap it in a couple minutes, so we're going to bring in a couple more people if we can. Uh, app's getting a little glitchy on me with the speakers as well, so I want to make sure that we um, that we do get people in here um, to talk before they uh, – uh, before we wrap it up, if I put you up there, put it on mute. We're going to rifle through two or three more, and we're going to wrap it again. Anybody who's listening to us right now, give everyone in this room a follow, if you would. Uh, that way, when we go live, you'll be notified. And when we have a glitch like we had last time, which we did, um, and the room shut down, you guys can jump back in, which was great that you did. Um, also, you can follow all of us on Twitter. It's attached to our profiles, uh, as is our YouTube channel, where you can um, – Link to and subscribe for our post-game show, which we do after every game. There's a ton of other Celtics content on there as well, including a host of podcasts and vidcasts that we do on the network, including Celtics Beat. Uh, Josue Pavone has Causeway Street Podcast, Bobby Manning Dome Theory, the A-List Podcast with A. Sherrod Blakely, uh, which comes out every Tuesday. Um, so you got to subscribe to all of those, in addition to Goodman and Ryan with uh, Bob Ryan and Jeff Goodman. Um, and I'm sure I'm missing stuff, but you guys shouldn't be missing it. So please go subscribe there. Uh, let's bring in uh, Brady. Brady, what's up, man? Hey, what's going on, guys? Uh, I know it's a pretty shitty day of basketball to watch, but I guess that's what we get for this season. Um, all I want to say, I want to ask a question. Um, I was I was watching some Tatum, Tatum stuff from earlier in his career, and I know he's had COVID and everything, but it looks like he, he used to sprint a lot more, just like in general around the court he used to fly around the court a lot more and i was just wondering at what point did he lose that because i rarely see the guy run anymore um up and down the court and then just one last point on the schedule there is some hope i think the hawks they play the bucks the sixers twice the blazers the suns the pacers and the wizards twice and the Knicks play the suns the grizzlies nuggets suns clippers lakers spurs hornets and celtics so I guess there's some hope there in the schedule, but um, I just want to get you guys' thoughts on that. So on that on that Tatum one, I think the point you look at is ultimately when he became the main ball handler in this team, which happened right around playoff time last year. Early in his career, he had other guys pushing that pace, whether it was Kyrie or even Kemba early on that season, and. You know, even Brown's been, throughout his career, even back to his rookie year, one of the better pace players in this league. And this has been my biggest gripe with this team all year. Do you guys know they are number one in per-possession transition scoring? So when they get out on the break, they're scoring almost every single time. But they never do it. They're 22nd in But that's what's so frustrating, Bobby, is every single thing that they've done that's proven to work, they just go away from it so quickly but that's the most glaring one because that one's so they do it with ball movement every game they're 27 assists plus they win like i'd like to see their record when they when 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 the assist column is up like that but how Uh, easy is it john to just run up the run run but it's all (laughs) 
you're right. That's the easiest. Get the ball and run, and then and then whatever happens happens for sure. But number two is pass the ball. Like don't when you get it. Well, don't I just, get that one because these guys don't have a ton of experience with being the lead ball handlers. But right, but just pa- don't. But that's the point. Don't handle it. Pass it. Yeah. Like that's you know, there's too much dribbling. Yeah, I'll, I'll say this too. My biggest frustration in this one was you saw Brown try to push that pace a couple times, and he he just never. Wait, I've talked about this all year. Him falling out of the game plans or just the flow of the game. It feels like a lot of the things they do as a team would be solved by having him more empowered. And you know, this goes back to some of the frustrations with Tatum as well. But it feels like Brown reached a new level this year early in the year like it's going to be so easy to forget that streak that he won on the beginning of the season and the all-star run because he's just faded out of you know relevance on the team almost throughout many of these games in the second half and it's so sad to watch because when he finally gets the ball and he can push it out in transition and do some of the things he likes to do it, it goes so well and I don't know how they figure that out and that's another thing I look at Brad and I'm like we cannot have Jalen Brown's tenure be what if. What if he got more shots? What if he had a bigger role here? What if they had him involved on a day-to-day basis? Because we know he's good enough. He's every bit as good as Tatum, and he should be every bit as involved on a game-in, game-out basis. And you know, I know people get on us about not mentioning him here. Well, a product of that is that some games he just isn't all that important to the outcome. He kind of does his thing where he can get it. He doesn't do anything wrong. He doesn't do a ton that's spectacularly right. So he just ends up somewhere in the middle where there's not even that much to say other than why can't he get the ball a couple more times? Let's bring in uh, let's bring in quick a uh, couple more people. Uh, Troy, what's up, Troy? Hey, what's going on, guys? Um, and I completely agree just real quick with Bobby. Yeah, I'm always wondering, like, why doesn't Jalen get more shots or like the other night when – uh, Jason goes 3 of 17 and Jalen was 10 of 15. How does Jason get more shots on an off night than Jalen? Um, but my uh, my more point and what I want to get you guys kind of thoughts on, I don't really hear, I feel like more of just like mental health and just kind of on your on your points about being mopey and in your phones. Like I know that's the new generation and a lot of kids growing up with that, but I feel like it's more their products of their environment. I don't think people are mopey as as individuals i think there's just a lot of depressing news going on you know like with the death of terrence clark and dante right and i think these guys are very um connected to that stuff and i think that definitely affects them on the court and and just around each other just like as as a mood kind of thing. that's a good point it's more, i don't i don't think it's more you know like we don't like each other yeah i mean that that that's a really good point um I, I agree. I don't think the issue is is whether they like each other. In fact, I, I would go so far as to say they probably like each other too much and don't necessarily hold each other uh, accountable enough uh, because the, the talent, again, we've talked about this plenty of times, the talent is, is not the issue. It's getting the most out of that talent with some level of consistency. And you're right. You know, a lot of the things that are happening in the world, you would have to be um, – not of this world to not be affected in some way, shape or form by a lot of the different things that have transpired within the last year or so. Uh, so I, I absolutely get that. And, and you're right. Mental health is a much bigger issue in this generation for this generation of athletes than it was, I think the previous few, 
uh, because of all the things that, that players are dealing with both on and off the court. But at the end of the day, and I, I go back to something John said earlier, actually in the Garden Report, about just professionals. These are professional athletes. And one of the things that when you are professional is you have to be able to compartmentalize a lot of different things in a way so that you can remain as professional as possible. And I think that this team, they sometimes some of their young guys have slip-ups and where they're not handling things as well as they should. And it's, it, it's, it should be expected when you're talking about guys who are relatively young. But when you get to that second contract in an NBA and you're like a max or near-max guy, which is Tatum and Brown are, you can't be treated with kids' gloves. You are officially a grown-ass man, uh, a big dog in the yard. Uh, that's why you got the big payday. And with that increased financial generational wealth comes increased responsibilities to be more impactful, more consistently, more of a leader, all those type of things. And this, those two guys in particular, I, I think, have room to grow. They have significant room to grow. And I think they will eventually get there, but it's going to be, it's going to be an uncomfortable process looking at them slowly but surely elevate up to where they need to be for this team to be the best version of itself. You know what, yeah. Shrad makes a ton of good, great points. One thing I'll add is, you know, this last year aside and everything that's going on in the world aside, you know, players are, are very much like me and you, believe it or not. You know, they have their own family issues going on, you know, with, whether it's family, friends, you know, whatever it may be. They oftentimes deal with the same issues me and you deal with. And a lot of players, they treat the game as skate. They've gone through a lot. They're upset about something going on in their life or in the world. But for a lot of players, when they get out there on the court, that's their time where they can actually forget about all that and focus on the one thing that, you know, has never let them down, for, for example, or something that they just love and, like, brings the best out of them. So I do think that while those distractions are very real, I, I would – I wouldn't, I kind of, I kind of echo what Sherrod says, where you really can't use them as, as an excuse because everybody's going through something and it's really how you react to those things that kind of make you, you know, like maybe the difference between a, a great player and, and a player that's, you know, trying to find time to play. Right. And that's going to define them ultimately. Again, we said it a couple of years, we're going to find out who these guys are right now. Again, the, the kid glove's still on a little bit. So uh, let's bring in uh, Guy Near, marketing director at CLNS Media, um, <laughs> for, 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 for a, a blazing hot take. Wow. No, no, no hot takes. What's up, fellas? You've got to market me a little bit better. Well, I I that, <laughs> look at Guy with the heavy marketing voice. Yeah, either that or he's going He's going to scold us for something we're doing incorrectly on Locker Room. That's also possible. The only scolding would be that Kendrick Perkins is not in the room right now. But Yeah. Um, <laughs> we, what can we do about that? Ask, ask Nick to deliver. Yeah, yeah show no, us your, mean, uh, your PowerPoints. No. PowerPoint. <laughs> you All right, Nick, you got some work to do then. Go ahead. Um, no, I just wanted to voice my, my, my frustration, I guess, with, with this team is the lack of, you know, that chip on your shoulder or, or edginess. Um, just the only example we can really look at is 08, you know, with, with the result that we all wanted. You had KG, which it's easy to kind of take his lead. Even guys like Leon Poe, Eddie House, these guys had an edge. They they came to play. They they had a dog in them, you know. 
I don't think anybody on this roster really has that other than Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown to a, you know, maybe to an extent, but you know, Doc was Doc was a coach that kind of brought that out of them and Brad just isn't that. So I'm 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 worried about having that kind of that fire in our belly. It's just not there. What you know what's interesting, guy? Did Nick hack your This is actually Nick right now, it's not guy. <laughs> I thought I, I thought they come in and read like Bill Russell's stats. <laughs> At Nick's behest. There's not enough winners on this team. You know, Bill <laughs> Russell was a winner. No. <laughs> well, that's a really good impression. <laughs> what is what is funny about this team, guy, and everybody, just in terms of this stuff is concerned, like, it was so obvious. Like, this is another – when you talk about whiffing on players, okay, you've got the Grant Williams, um, you know, Romeo – Carson, whatever draft, which it looks like a whiff on all the players. But what's funny is, and Bobby was there uh, for that first day when we met the rookies, um, the vibe in terms of the way they were, the chumminess, the buddy, buddy, uh, everything Ainge said, everything Brad said, we had to fix the culture. We had to get in new guys. We had to get these guys in here to, to blah, 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 and this and that. We wanted character. Everything about like team building and roster building post-Kyrie was about character. And like it's so weird that they whiffed so badly on the players as players. I'm not saying they have bad character, but that it hasn't made a lick of impact. You know, and- well, it, it did last year, and I don't think we can ignore how well last year went. I guess in, you're, in right. you're right. You're like, right. Like last year was – a wildly successful season and it keeps getting characterized as a failure because they lost in six in the East finals when they probably weren't even expected to make the East finals preseason. So I still look at last year and say they had the talent they needed to, and, and this has been said about Brad too. Oh, you can't get it done with the talent. Well, they had the talent last year and they made a great deep run uh, through tough circumstances last year too. So we, I, I, they've had some, pitfalls in the last few years but last year was a very good season i don't think you can uh, characterize that as such just because of how 2019 went or because of how this year yeah but it's it's a what have you done for me lately scenario at the end of the day like you know last year again they had a little bit more going for them in terms of talent uh, obviously with Gordon here, the roster is a little different. When you look to the people to carry you through what would be cons- – it, it, when everyone points to adversity with COVID and with no fans and um, you know depleted roster or bench you're trying to work in, that's adversity. Again, you're judging people with how they respond to adversity versus how they respond when things are going well. And that's a, a truer measure of who they are. And – Guys, they played – listen to who they played this week. They played the Bulls, who have Daniel Tice. They played the Nets, who have Kyrie Irving. And they played the Hornets, who have Terry Rozier. You would think that they want to, you know, get a win against one of those teams with a former teammate. I mean, if we're talking about early 2000s, mid-90s, that's something that doesn't fly. You don't let your ex-teammates just bully you like that. And after today, they should be embarrassed. I don't know. Yeah, this was embarrassing for sure. Uh, let's uh... – we're going to wrap it up a little bit here. Uh, let's bring in Gustavo. He's been waiting to ch- talk. What's up, Gustavo? Hey, guys. How's it going? Um, I wanted to bring up a point. We were all expecting uh, at some point when we heard that Hayward was probably going to leave, we were expecting a sign-and-trade situation with the Pacers. Um, but I'm wondering if we could have potentially gotten back some of the some pieces from from the Hornets that look 
kind of it looked kind of intriguing today, like uh, PJ Washington and uh, Miles Bridges. I think his contract's about to expire. And kind of to add up to what Bobby was talking about earlier with now Jabari having to be a big piece uh, in this roster, I wonder if perhaps by adding some of these pieces, it would make our bench situation a oh. bit better, which, which I think has been uh, pretty bad, like John said, since the Kyrie season. Um, what do you guys think about that? Yeah, so Gustavo, good. Um, it's a good question, but honestly, the answer is no. Um, Charlotte didn't have to do that trade. They did yeah. it almost as a favor. <laughs> Jordan wasn't, Jordan wasn't going to help out. So that wasn't the, the helping them out was giving them the trade at all, allowing them to create an exception. Charlotte didn't need to do that. They had enough money. Uh, and the only person coming back was Batum. If you wanted to eat that contract, which nobody did. Um, so really, no, you couldn't have gotten any actual pieces because it wasn't a real trade. It was a Gordon Hayward left in free agency and Charlotte did you a solid by giving you the trade exception, um, in a sign and trade scenario. But that's really all that happened there. Uh, but guys, I don't know if, if you have any other thoughts on that. No, I mean, it, it, John. I mean, you covered all the the main points there. Charlotte, there was no incentive for them to to include any one other than Batoon, and nobody was even going to really seriously consider touching that deal uh, at that time. So, um, no. And besides, I mean, Michael Jordan is a little bit leery of anything to do with Danny Ainge after he passed on giving up that number eight pick a few years ago for all those damn picks that Danny was willing to offer up to move up. So. Yeah. <laughs> but I love how we'll never know uh, what Indiana was offering. I mean, I, I get it. It's obvious, but like he just, he's been so adamant that he just, he, he won't, he won't reveal what was true, what wasn't true, but he'll always say there's some truth to this, some of these reports, like there often is, but then there was a lot that wasn't true that was reported. So we'll never quite know exactly what Indiana was willing to offer. But one thing that he's been adamant about is that Gordon, it was up to him. If he wanted to play for Indiana, he would have made, he would have found a way or been more adamant to, 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 to uh, have a deal be executed. But he, he decided to, to, to sign with Charlotte, according to Dan. Um, all right. So, guys, we have gone on. Long enough, I believe. I, if, if you didn't get a chance to speak, taking a screenshot, I'll try to get to you next time, I promise. Um, but we have – when's the next game, guys? Tuesday. 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 Who they got? Thunder. Thunder. Okay. Tuesday, Thunder. Um, we'll be back at it. So you can join us all here again. Give everybody here a follow in the Locker Room app. Give us a follow on Twitter. Uh, and then subscribe to our YouTube channel, as we said, to be notified every time we do post game. Quick shout-out. Again, to um, uh, one of our sponsors, our uh, Bet Online, our exclusive wagering partner, BetOnline.ag. Promo code CLNS50, 50% welcome bonus. Honestly, it's silly. If you're laying any action on any games at all, you should absolutely be doing it at Bet Online. You should be using this promo code, free money, baby. So go get yeah, some. I bet on yep. some UFC last night, so that was pretty good. Yeah. Us- of course, Usman you did, is, a, is a freaking beast. I don't know if anyone watched that. I'm sure you've seen the highlights by now. Wow. Twisted. Did you come up? Punch this dude's head practically off his shoulder. Did you come up? Did you come up on some money? Jimmy, who did you bet on? I bet on Usman, and I bet on Thug Rose. Yes, with the, that's with easy the, money. Yeah, foot to the face for Thug Rose. Yeah, you one. hear that, guys? E- easy money to be had over at Bet Online. So go get some CLNS fifty. That's the promo code CLNS fifty fifty percent welcome bonus on your initial deposit. Like I said. Free money. Go get it. <laughs> that was such a CLNS um, commercial. 
<laughs> that's like, that like a little skit right there. A little skit, yeah. <laughs> uh, but thank you again for Sherrod, uh, Joe Sway, Jimmy, uh, Nick, Guy, Amit, uh, for jumping on, hanging out here with us. And, of course, all of you guys uh, for, you know, uh, being here every single game. We appreciate you. Uh, and we'll see you guys next time. Thanks, guys. See you, dudes. Thanks see you. for coming.